Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and a video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. And we have a very special guest today. He's actually my friend from Vancouver, BC, Canada. He's not actually from Vancouver, BC, Canada, but we I know each other from there. He's spoken at a few of my YVR bloggers' events, and we keep in touch online. Uh, Yarrow's actually originally from Brisbane, Australia, and now he, he the world is his home. Uh, he's currently in London, England. Uh, you know, he, he sometimes resides in Toronto, sometimes in Vancouver, sometimes in San Francisco, basically wherever he feels like. And that is the beauty of being a digital nomad, uh, you know, living the laptop lifestyle, uh, because he's uh, generated enough income online, uh, both in the past, in the present, in the future, that he can literally travel 12 months a year. And uh, he has a great blog post on that very topic, how he travels pretty much 24-7 uh, around the world. And if he likes it, he can stay. If he doesn't, he can move around. Uh, and uh, some cool facts about Yarrow. Uh, he actually was a magic gamer, and he left it all be behind to become a digital entrepreneur. Uh, his web uh, website's called Entrepreneur Journey, entrepreneur-journey.com. And he's actually made over a million dollars online. Uh, and that's an amazing stat. You know, uh, uh, some people haven't even made a zero. <laughs> so uh, to, to make over a million online is very impressive. So I uh, uh, have the pleasure and honor of interviewing Yarrow today about his uh, journey as an entrepreneur. So Yarrow, your website is called Entrepreneur Journey. Uh, so why didn't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your own entrepreneur journey? Sure, Ricky. Thank you for having me. I love this topic of, of digital nomading. I've been doing it uh, well, I've, I've really been doing it almost since the day one as, of my online business. So it's it's almost 20 years now. If I if I really think about how long I've been traveling, I didn't travel the whole 20 years, but uh, the last couple of years I've been pretty active with the traveling. So I really do live and breathe this topic. But to go back in time, uh, my my entrepreneur's journey really did, it began when I was 18, and I started my first website. That was the the Magic the Gathering card game website that you mentioned briefly. It's kind of like. Uh, poker but you got your dragons and your elves and it's actually it's serious it's competitive there's tournaments around the world and I built a website about it with uh, also a, an online card store and I got my first taste of you know making money online not a lot you know, I made enough money to be a, uh, a guy in university who didn't need a part-time job you know no no need to work at McDonald's or anything like that and then that led to my next business which was an essay editing company and that was sort of like my first uh, full-time income that was a true I guess, you know, laptop lifestyle, digital nomad business. And that's the first business I really traveled with as well, even, even before I was a blogger. And while I was running that essay editing company, I actually learned about blogging. So it was 2004, someone suggested to me, uh, you should start a blog for your essay editing company and, uh, you know, try and get some traffic from Google. And that's what I did. So I, I didn't know what blogging was, though. I, I really had to learn on the fly. So I installed blogging software on my essay editing company and I learned about blogging and I discovered that I really didn't like blogging about uh, essay editing, which was my attempted first subject for a blog. Um, I'm personally not an editor. I had a team of contractors doing the editing, so uh, not a great topic for me. But I did start writing about what it's like to run the business and sort of be an entrepreneur. And, and that really showed me how much I love talking about business and entrepreneurship. So that's why I then registered this entrepreneurs-journey.com website. Initially, it was a hobby. I was just there to tell stories about being an entrepreneur, about my editing company, about my card game website, about my travels, about what I was thinking about as a, a young entrepreneur. Uh, and you know, not entirely planned, but it became a business. People started reading it. I started to build an email list, and then I started to create products like online courses and eBooks and a membership site, and teaching blogging 
teaching product creation, teaching online business, uh, and that's what I do today. I basically teach people. You could say I teach people how to live a nomad lifestyle in some ways too. I don't focus on the travels as much as I focus on online business, but there's definitely a lot of overlap, and I think we're we're sharing a, a shared passion in this topic. So uh, that that's the very very short version of my last kind of 20 years as an online entrepreneur. Love it, Yarrow. You are pretty much a digital nomad before the term even existed. <laughs> Love it. So, Yarrow, tell us about some of your successes online. I mean, uh, you've done, you've been doing this for 20 years. Uh, very much a pioneer in the space of internet marketing, blogging, uh, etc. So, tell us about uh, where do you feel was the real tipping point in terms of success online? Yeah, I mean, there's been many. Uh, you know, uh, like most people, when you start from the beginning, it's make your first dollar. Uh, I, I tasted that with uh, actually I tasted that with eBay. You know, I think I sold something on eBay and made my first dollar back in probably 1998. Uh, that's not a business. That's not enough money to live off. So obviously, my my card game business was my first sort of taste of a true online business. And I think you know probably the first time I made over $500 in one month from sales of my cards and online advertising that showed me the potential that this platform the internet is a place that you can you know make money um, and that also kind of at the time and you have to kind of put this into perspective that was the dot-com boom era late 90s lots of tech companies on crazy subjects and in, in my own personal motivation was all about freedom so you know I did really want the nomad lifestyle before it was common uh, but I was kind of thinking about it in another way I didn't want a job so that was my motivation. Stay away from full-time employment. Um, you know, I was if I was going to live in one place, that's fine. But I wanted to make enough money to not go to work, sort of run my own business. The problem was I didn't know what business to go into, and that's why it was very fortuitous that the internet was becoming a place to do business. And I was able to experiment as an 18, 19 year old and learn about having a website. Back in the early days, you know, it was really basic tools. It was a lot harder to set up a website. So you know, learning about that and making my first dollar, making my first $500 in one month was a real tipping point, breakthrough moment. But I'll tell you, for me, the, the, the first time I really thought I'm actually living a nomad lifestyle and, and, you know, living that dream, I remember I was in Sydney. So I'm, like you said at the beginning, I'm from Brisbane. I was traveling to Sydney and I was actually there for a couple of reasons. I was going to promote my essay editing company by putting up posters around university campuses there. But I was also there to uh, attend a card game tournament as well. So I was running both those businesses. There was a bit of crossover when I had those two businesses. And I remember, this is not the best example because it actually highlighted a weakness in my business, but it did demonstrate the power of nomadic lifestyle. I remember um, this is before we had mobile phones with internet, so I had to jump into internet cafes to keep checking my email to see if I had jobs coming in to my essay editing company. And that was something I could do anywhere in the world. As long as I could get access to email, I could get a job, process it, and make money. And I had a team doing the, the editing, so I didn't have to do the work. It was really just making sure I was checking the emails. So that was my first taste of, wow, I can really be anywhere in the world doing this. And I don't need a job. This is my full-time income now. Uh, and that, that, for me, was probably the travel part of it, where I really felt this is real. And then the next phase was the true freedom part of it, which is, actually hiring someone to manage the email of that business. So once I put, put in an assistant to manage the email, that business essentially ran itself. And I was able to travel the world, uh, make a living, and not really feel like I needed to do anything mission critical in the business. I could go to sleep knowing my team would handle the work. 
I, I certainly still have to check in on them. You know, I probably work two or three hours a week, mostly responding to sort of decisions that only I could make. I wasn't dealing with the day-to-day -day jobs that came in. My contract writing team or editing team was doing the work. My assistant was doing the email. So that for me was the first taste of it. Obviously, things get different when you start making, you know, I made $100,000 in one year for my editing company and that was, it was good money, but I was paying half of it to contractors. So I wasn't exactly rich. I was making enough to sort of get by. So when I had a fast forward, like four or five years later, when I had my big year as a blogger and I made over half a million dollars in revenue in that year, uh, with a fairly good profit margin, I kept about two thirds of that money. So you know, that's when I went, wow, this is, this is life changing income. I'm making it online. I actually sold the editing company, so I made a you know capital gain from that. So all these uh, kind of stepping stones happened where I went from my first dollar to my first $500 a month to that sort of first taste of travel freedom to the first taste of having a lifestyle business to that first $100,000 year and, and then really tasting the, that big income where you know what, I, I don't have to worry so much about uh, what I do for a living. I can choose now the projects I want to work on. So that's kind of like a history of the the, the big, the big um, life-changing moments in my entrepreneur's journey career. Awesome, and uh, you know I'm glad how you started it uh, by the first success was just 500, or just even, like you said, the first dollar. And you know some of you guys who might be listening and watching, and maybe who are still working a job and thinking about getting into digital internet marketing, uh, just start small. It doesn't have to be making a million online, or making six figures, or even five figures. It has to be just selling one product, uh, doing one coaching uh, you know, client, and then Every little step, you get more and more confident. Uh, I know that's the case with me, uh, uh, with daddyblogger.com. You know, the first time I ever got a sponsor, I was throw, through the roof. I was like, what? I'm just a dad writing about my, my kids, and someone actually wants to pay me uh, to write about their product and service. And now I, I've, uh, you know, not made a million, but I've made thousands of dollars on my own blog, and it's been uh, very fulfilling. But it all started with that one sponsor, with the one paycheck, the one PayPal account, uh, PayPal transaction coming in. So start small. That, that would be my, my biggest tip here. Great tip. Yeah, yeah, see, there you go. Uh, Yaro, uh, tell us about also some of the uh, difficulties because uh, sometimes, uh, uh, not sometimes, but often on social media, we see the good stuff. We see uh, people hanging out with the monuments and uh, uh, hanging out on the beach, but we don't see the struggles, the really dark moments, the depression, the anxiety, the frustrations, the uh, I feel like giving up moments. So I know you've had those. I know for sure because I've had them too. So tell us about maybe your darkest moment as an entrepreneur because you call it a journey and the journey is not always uphill. Uh, the journey is valleys and peaks and more valleys and even deeper valleys. So take us to your darkest moment and tell us that story. I don't want to go back there, Ricky. Why, why are you making me go back there? <laughs> He's gonna, I'm, I'm the counselor now. Not only am I the host and the interviewer, I'm counseling Yero. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, you know, I, I know it very the, the period very clear because uh, it, it's funny because all this happened during that editing essay editing kind of years for me. Um, I remember being in Canada, so I was traveling to see family, and I was still running my essay editing company. I'd sold my card game website by then, and I was probably twenty, maybe twenty four, twenty three. So you know, still young. Um, very hungry, very eager to make more money, very eager for more success. And I was also starting to meet people like myself who were running online businesses as well. Um, and I kind of had a dark moment for two reasons. So one was just classic um, loneliness. You know, you're running your own business and 
I had, uh, you know, maybe I think I had my contractors, but they're just people I email every now and then. They weren't exactly friends or anything like that. Um, I, I had sort of drifted apart from my university friends and before that my high school friends because, let's face it, I was living a completely different lifestyle. I had completely different motivations and we just diverged down different pathways. They went and had careers. They stayed in the same city or the same country. I started traveling and I started looking for different ways to make a living. So. I was in this transition period with not, I haven't met a new group of friends who are entrepreneurs. There wasn't this kind of community online the way we have now. Like now it's amazing with Facebook and meetups and you know so many different places we can connect, mastermind groups, even podcasts like this. Like I wasn't even doing this kind of interaction back then. So I was lonely. But then I was also doing something else, which I think is really a dangerous thing, is I was comparing myself to other entrepreneurs. And I think this is where uh, I've, I've done it over and over again. I still do it now, uh, but I really did it badly back then where, you know, I had this friend who was, his company was starting to take off. He was hiring people. It was an online internet marketing company. Uh, we were in different industries and we even had different goals. He wasn't looking for a digital nomad lifestyle. He was building a team. He had an office. He had to go, you know, to work every day. But I was still kind of envious of the ramping up in income and the ramping up in customers he was getting. And I felt my business was growing very slowly. And frankly, I didn't know where it was heading. I, and I, was, I wasn't in love with the essay editing company other than the fact that it was making me money and I enjoyed setting up the business. But the subject of essay editing just wasn't a passion for me. So you know, I wasn't really loving it. So I remember like not sleeping well that evening or several evenings there. Um, could be jet lag, but it was a combination of that and worrying about my future. And I, you know, I'd have maybe these ideas. I should start a completely new business. This is when I started buying domain names for all kinds of different projects I had. Um, in, in fact, I even contacted that friend and said, hey, maybe you should buy me out, then we can work together. You know, all that kind of crazy, like find, basically trying to find friends as well as trying to find you know, some sort of companionship and a direction that I was passionate about. But you know, really, I was grasping at straws. So that was pretty dark. Um, you know, not making enough money, uh, just missing some aspect of the business. Like one of the lessons I'd love to pass on to your, to everyone watching or who will watch, um, I went through this evolution of what I wanted for my business. You start with wanting money, and then after you start to make some money, you realize it's not just money that you want. You actually want some sort of direction in terms of meaning from what you're doing. And also, uh, this is another one that I, I focused on first, is that freedom aspect. So you have to find a way to make enough money yet not be trapped to a 12-hour job as an entrepreneur, which happens to a lot of entrepreneurs, plus the work you're doing should be passion, something you know, have a passion for. So to get all three of those things is difficult. And I, I didn't have it with my first two businesses. You know, my card game business, it was a passion and it was you know, pretty full on for work and never made enough money. My essay editing company started to get better in the money and it was great for freedom, but I just had no passion to keep growing it. I, I, you know, I lost interest. So it wasn't until I hit blogging, which was literally you know, 10 years after starting my card game business, that I felt here's a business that hits all three of those things for me. It's freedom, it's money, and it's also uh, something I, I see myself doing. I see myself writing and teaching and creating content for the rest of my life. So you know, it took, and I say this, it, it took seven years of running those first two businesses and then three years of growing my blogging business to really go, this is the sweet spot for what I want to do. So the whole time before that, lots of ambiguity, lots of you know, jumping on shiny objects. One minute I'm thinking maybe I'll do Google AdWords and I'll be a 
uh, uh, affiliate marketer services, uh, you know, arbitraging, uh, selling other people's products. Next minute, I'm thinking e-commerce, and I'll do eBay or Amazon.com. And you know, next minute, I'm thinking, no, I'll start a bricks and mortar company, and I'll you know, build something in the real world. So I went. I really had all those kind of lost feelings and thoughts and thankfully when something was working I, I kept it going like when the editing company worked I kept focusing on it so that was kind of like my my basic needs being met and everything else from that was it was kind of an evolution to find all three things in one company yeah and it's very hard to find that combo you mentioned like the passion uh, the freedoms you know the time freedom the money freedom the location freedom and uh, you, I'm really glad you shared uh, about the dark times too because uh, it is tough as an entrepreneur, and you're mentioning things like working. Uh, sometimes it's seven days a week. Sometimes it is, uh, uh, you know, like 12-hour days. And uh, uh, sometimes we buy into the myth, the, the four-hour work we myth. Uh, even Tim Ferriss probably works way more than four hours. Well, he and, does. Um, you know, that, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, when you're starting this journey, you got to realize that there are going to be the dark times. You're going to have to work and hustle like crazy. And I, I think the other uh, key point on what you're saying is to stay focused. Um, uh, you found uh, passion and you've stayed focused on that. You didn't give up when the times got tough and, uh, and that's why you've, uh, you're reaping the fruits now. You sowed, 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 and now you're reaping the fruits of uh, blogging. Uh, so, um, you know, other people who are starting their blog, um, they give up quickly because they're like, okay, I'm gonna try and blog just like John Chow, just like Aerostara, just like the big bloggers. And all of a sudden they say, I'm not making money. I'm gonna give up, try something else. So uh, tell us about how you succeeded as a blogger when there's literally millions, if not multi-million different bloggers, and most of them are just struggling, they're giving up. And you see a lot of dormant blogs on the internet. So tell us about what, what differentiated yours. Yeah, I mean, uh, blogging is uh, not easy. Like, I think that's what I tell everyone who, who joins any of my programs or even studies my stuff. One of the first things I say, there is no simple way to make money. There's no easy way. There's no quick way to make money in, in any kind of online business, really. Uh, and blogging in particular is a pathway where you got to love creating content. You know, that has to be something you enjoy. Doing interviews like we're doing now or videos or writing articles, something has to float your boat in order for you to keep doing it day after day, week after week. Now, the thing that made my blog work, and this is still the same reason why every single blog I know of works, especially in teaching subjects. You know, if you're helping people to solve problems, this, this, isn't, this isn't necessarily relevant if you're a fashion blogger maybe because it's, you know, that's different. You're, you're about showing pictures of what you're wearing and outfits. But if you're teaching people how to cure depression, you know, fix a bad back, trade stocks on the stock market, become a digital nomad, whatever it is you're teaching people to do. The one thing that always works with content is sharing case studies of what's worked for you and ideally what's worked for people you've helped. So going back to day one of my blog, Entrepreneur's Journey, I started writing about what it was like for me and what I was doing that was working and not working to run my essay editing company. Like it literally was one big long case study of how I got customers, how I ranked well in Google for search results, how I priced my essay editing services, uh, what software and tools I was putting together to build you know, my website, how I was hiring people. Uh, all these aspects of running my business, I started to share and be very open. And, and I talked about what was not working, how I, you know, I spent money on advertising in some local student newspapers and I got zero customers from it. 
and then I talked about how I put up posters around university campuses and it was slow, but eventually I'd get this loyal customer base. So I was telling, I even taught people how to design a good poster to put up on a poster board in a university. Very nice topic. So that was all real world stuff that I was doing and getting results with. And if you go forward, my blog changed topics. I, I, I sold my essay editing company, so I, I wrote about it less and less. And I started writing about what was working for me as a, a, an internet marketer. So how email was working, how product launches were working, how blogging in general was working. And this was always case study based. And then I switched to actually highlighting uh, my clients. So once I started coaching and teaching, I had people who took a course, I, my first ever course was 2007. You go forward three or four years, those people have built their own successful businesses. So I get them on a podcast, I interview them much like we're doing now, and I, I get them to tell me what do they do? How do they grow their blog? How do they create their first product? How do they get their first customer? So that's real world results. And I think that is so important for content for any blogger to basically make their blog entirely about. So if you're helping people fix a bad back, you know, give examples of things that don't work, maybe certain exercises or certain uh, things we do, even just like how not to lift a box when you're moving house, you know? Uh, really simple stuff, but it's practical. It's like a case study of real life. Uh, if it's cooking, you know, teach people how to eat healthy to lose weight. Same thing, you know, take a, a client, you help them lose weight, explain what they eat today, what they eat now versus what they eat before. So that's really powerful content. It's applicable, it's real world. I think that is where a lot of bloggers who fail stumble because what they end up doing is kind of regurgitating other people's ideas without adding anything to the conversation. And they might be writing kind of like dot point lists with generic tips that really doesn't break the mold and doesn't have any case studies to back it up. So I think that to me, uh, it, it's a simple tip. Uh, it might seem obvious, but it's the most important tip I can give people. Um, the other thing you need to include, though, is some form of marketing, and this is more important than ever. If you start today, you're entering a crowded space no matter what subject you cover as a blogger. So it's great to produce fantastic case study-driven content, but if you don't have a way of reaching people and telling them that this great content exists, you're probably going to end up writing in an echo chamber or just to your family and your friends, your wife or your husband, whatever it might be because you haven't gone out there and told people you exist. Now, this is difficult for creative types. Uh, I, I remember recently reading Arnold Schwarzenegger's biography, and you know we all know Arnold, he's a movie star, he used to be uh, a bodybuilder and, and uh, a politician, so three very diverse subject areas. And in his book, he says, no matter what I was doing, I had two roles in each of those uh, careers. When I was a bodybuilder, I was a bodybuilder, and I was also a marketer selling bodybuilding. When I was a film star, I was a film star, but I was also a marketer to promote those films. When I was a politician, I was a politician, but I was also a marketer in order to get elected into government. So he pointed out how important marketing is, and he never, I love this comment he, he made, he said he doesn't understand how writers or, or painters or you know anyone who's creative thinks that simply being creative and creating something is enough. You can't be a movie star without actually going out there and promoting your movies. You, know, you have to do the work to let people know your art exists. And it's the same for us as bloggers. You have to go out there and let people know you have this amazing blog post that you've just written. Go read it. It's going to change your life. So you have to do some kind of marketing. 
<laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I was just shaking my head over and over and over. All those tips you were saying were so right on the money, uh, literally right on the money. Uh, because especially about this case studies thing, uh, you know, when I started this uh, digital domain mastery business, when I was coaching people and masterminding, I, I, I really wanted to first get the insights of other digital nomads. And uh, that's why we'll be doing these interviews. You actually interviewee number 80 uh, we've already done 80 different people and it's real life case studies of people who are making money online it's not just theory okay uh, you know uh, do this and this and this step one two three four there are no steps uh, just real life stories uh, I mean they might be common themes but there's not it's not like a formula uh, that uh, you know you, you if you follow the A, a, a to E uh, you're gonna make this much money it's never like that and the more people I interview uh, the more uh, avenues by which you can make money and uh that's why we do these interviews so hopefully all of you guys who are listening and viewing can see <laughs> these real life case studies um, <laughs> yeah see someone saying amen is a little chicken i'm actually here in trinidad and tobago uh working while i'm traveling a little chicken over here is uh video bombing my my podcast and my video cast <laughs> Uh, so Yarrow, uh, tell us about, uh, um, you know, uh, what are you currently working on? I mean, uh, you've done this for 20 years. You, you've done things like blogging, uh, a lot of different intermarketing, email marketing, affiliate marketing. Uh, you run a mastermind, et cetera. So uh, now it's 2017, uh, you know, uh, kind of at the end of June, early July. What is your current passion and focus right now? Well, I'm actually transitioning to become a book writer. I really want to write books. I want to give myself the space awesome. and time to do that. Uh, it, you know, book writing lends itself very well to the nomad lifestyle because, again, uh, you can sit on a laptop in a cafe. That's what I do anyway. I'll just be focusing on books. But to get to that point, I, I have a few kind of, I call them like loose ends with my, my teaching business. I won't stop being a teacher. I'm just going to kind of stop creating new products for a while and, and sort of stop driving that machine. Thankfully, I, I have spent so many years automating my business. I've got a team. I've got products that sell because my, my blog is uh, up and running 24-7, growing my email list. I've got content that's been written over the years that continues to teach and deliver value. So I've been able to step away. And you know, this, this first half of this year is a great example. I, have, I did one launch at the start of the year. And from that point forward, I have done nothing to promote proactively. There's been no active promotions by me. I've been writing blog posts, doing a few interviews, you know, once a week producing a piece of content. But my business has been making money without really me being a driver for that. It's based on email funnels and content and blog posts and products that, that already sell. So that's set up, and I can transition to, to book writing uh, next year is the plan. I still have a few things. We're launching a new uh, blog design. We're always tweaking email funnels and creating new resources. Uh, and that's, that's fun. I enjoy that process. Probably the, the biggest job with all this is writing emails. I think once anyone becomes an internet marketer, uh, that's, the, that's the real sticking point for, for, the, for the kind of the, the teaching entrepreneur is you find yourself being the writer of every email and uh, every blog post, and it becomes you know uh, the biggest part of your work. So, my my goal has always been: if you write an email, make it an evergreen email, so you can keep using it in systems. So I've done that for the last sort of four or five years, and it's it's pretty good. But we're going back one more time, tweaking everything, and uh, hopefully by 2018. You know, depending on this when you're listening to this, I might be writing a book or it might be, even be published. But um, I've got a lot of books in me that I want to get out there and, and sort of taste that experience and see what it's like. So that, that's next for me. 
Awesome. Uh, you know, I'm looking forward to definitely reading about those and having you back on the show when you launch that book. I'm, I'm uh, excited for that journey ahead. Uh, so we've covered a lot of the digital marketing side of things, the digital part of the digital nomad part. Uh, so tell us more about your nomadic journey. Uh, you are pretty much 100% uh, free to go where you want, when you want, with who you want. So tell us about some of your travels over the last 20 years. Uh, what have been some of your favorite cities and countries that you've gone to so far? Yeah, well, I, I left Australia. Um, let's see, I lived in Melbourne for a year in 2014, I think it was. And my plan was to go to San Francisco and taste that sort of tech community startup lifestyle and see what it's like to live there for a while. But to get there, I went through uh, Tokyo and Hong Kong, two cities I'd never been to. I've always wanted to go to Asia, uh, in particular Japan. So I, I, I grew up loving Japanese animation and that the sort of whole culture there. So that was a blast. I went to um, the Studio Ghibli, the sort of the museum they have, which is a, an animation studio. So that was that was really fun. Just actually being, I was there solo. It was I was by myself, and you know I was intimidated by how will I figure out the subway system in Tokyo? If you ever have a look at that, it looks like someone's dropped a bowl of spaghetti and and you know called it a train map. It's not easy to navigate. But I actually it was it ended up being quite easy. I was blown away. You know, as long as you can translate, you know, English characters, English characters. You don't know the words, but you can figure it out. And uh, you know, that was that's it's a confidence boost. I think that's one of the best things about traveling solo is just that experience of you know figuring stuff out for yourself, surviving, ordering food, you know, all that sort of thing. So Hong Kong, Tokyo, that was great. Then I did settle in uh, San Francisco for a while, and I had you know I had a I guess a living kind of lifestyle. It was less about being a tourist, even though I did do a lot of touristy stuff. I was actually living in my own apartment. I you know stayed there for about four months. Um, I, I went to meetups. I met local people. Did a lot of work, you know, uh, as well. So that was that was a different taste. Then I went to Vancouver, where you know you and I spent a bit of time together. I spoke at your event. Uh, Canada's always felt like I, I wouldn't even say my second home. It's felt like half my home because I'm I'm a Canadian citizen and an Australian citizen. So I feel like I belong to both countries. I sound more Canadian than Australian, and I like the weather better in Canada. You do. Yeah. So Canada's kind of feels like my home at the moment as well. And then now, more recently, I've been in Europe. Uh, I did a lot of traveling in America for events as well, but uh, more recently, I was in France and Nice and Ukraine, which is where my father's from. So I visited Ukraine for the first time, which was a really cool experience, actually. I, I didn't expect to love it as much as I did. Maybe there's a bit of you know family history making me love my my place of origin, but the food is great. Um, the, the nature is great. It's more advanced than I expected it to be. It, you can actually live a pretty good lifestyle. But it's really cheap, and I love that too. You know, I think as a lot of digital nomads, we look for opportunities to live in countries where we might not otherwise, uh, well, back in our home, we might not otherwise be able to afford to live. You know, you, we might only make a thousand dollars a month. You can't live in Canada. You can't live in a lot of American cities. You can't live in a lot of European or Western European cities for a thousand a month. You get yourself to Ukraine, and you can. You can live really well at a thousand U.S. dollars a month. Same with Thailand. Possibly the same in Trinidad and Tobago. I don't know. Yes, yes. Uh, Trinidad is very cheap. I mean, uh, uh, you know, the the guest houses, the transport, the food, uh, the ferry back and forth between Trinidad and Tobago. So very affordable. Not super cheap like Southeast Asia cheap, uh, but more like South America cheap, kind of in the middle more. Right, right. Yeah. Sounds like similar to Ukraine. So you know, you wouldn't be a king on a thousand dollars a month, but you certainly could get by. And you could write a book, you know, you could sit there, you could eat well, you could live in a nice apartment, you know, you could Airbnb for like $20 a night, and uh, that could be part of your trip. So uh, for me, 
the, the, the highlights have been certainly new places, but also new people. You know, I, I met some amazing people. I've formed a, you know, amazing friendship with, uh, with a person who I travel a lot with uh, named Elena. You met her. So that, that's been amazing. Um, seeing my family in Canada, seeing my origin in Ukraine, um, and going to some events in like San Diego and meeting people who I've known online, Lewis Howes, Pat Flynn, uh, Chris Ducker, uh, John Lee Dumas, uh, so many people I've never met in person that I've known so well through our, our shared industry. To, to meet them in person, I, I spoke at Social Media Marketing World at San Diego this year and I met a bunch of them there. Um, so it's just amazing to to put the, the, the personal connection to the, the experience as well. Plus to meet some people who I have in my programs. Um, on Thursday, I'm meeting one of my students uh, here in London. So, you know, it's, it's amazing. There's pros and cons. Moving around a lot can get tiring and, you know, you don't have a base and it's hard to get routines going. But uh, there's a trade-off yeah? and you get to see amazing places. And, and most people would dream about doing this on this kind of schedule. Most people save up for two years to have a two-week holiday and then go back to work. So I have no complaints about the opportunities and the freedom I have. Absolutely. You know, like uh, I'm here in Trinidad and most of the people who come here, they're like uh, coming on a short, uh, short, like one week getaway and then they do it all, they spend it all and then they leave. And then they might go to Mexico to do it all, spend it all and go, right? But for me, I'm, I'm working here and uh, I'm uh, almost spending uh, more time working than enjoying the beautiful nature around me. So what's wrong with me? But anyway, uh, that's part of being a digital nomad. Sometimes you're just in a work mode and you know that if you don't work, your business is going to fail. So I know now I need to just focus on building uh, the, the whole digital nomad uh, mastery brand, which I recently launched. And part of doing it is by interviewing experts uh, such as yourself and such as over 80 different other uh, nomads. No, so, you know, uh, Yarrow, uh, tell us, a, yeah. I have to mention one thing. You reminded me of something because I traveled in 2008 around the world as well, and I visited 27 uh, different cities. But you reminded me of an experience I had in Chicago because I remember I, I landed in Chicago for the first time, and I spent one day looking around. But then the next day I was like, I'm kind of sick of being a tourist, and I want to sit down, and I, got, I want to write an email for this promotion. I was uh, promoting uh, – John Reese's product as an affiliate. I just felt like I wanna, I wanna focus on that. So I sat in my hotel room and I wrote a bunch of emails, set it up to go automatic you know, during this launch campaign for a week. And I brought in like $10,000 in affiliate commissions from that one sort of sitting down work session. And that was so satisfying and it was so creative and so enjoyable. I think that's something to remember too is uh, you travel as a digital nomad, not just to be a tourist digital nomad, it's to be a working digital nomad. And I think it's totally fine if you decide I'm going to go to some place and spend three months not with my camera photographing everything, maybe on the weekends, but five days a week, I'm, I'm going to be sitting in cafes writing my course or writing my book or you know, building my blog or uh, recording interviews. You know, I'm going to do two interviews a day for 10 days and just bang out the next six months worth of podcasts. And that's fun. I actually think that's more fun than the traditional sit on the beach with a book for a week and, and just do nothing but consume rather than create. And I think that's what I love about digital nomad lifestyle is the balance you can have between consuming, creating, exploring, and making money. So that's the point I think you highlighted there. <laughs> Absolutely. And yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I am uh, interviewing about two or three people a day. Uh, and I, I pretty much schedule my day so I can uh, interview a few people, sightsee a little bit. You know, you know, you also need to rest because uh, sometimes you can get into that cycle of just working like crazy. And that's not healthy. You need to sleep. You need to eat. Uh, you need to take your breaks, hang out with your wife and kids if you have them. 
so Yaro, I'm really interested in, uh, in your bucket list. I mean, we always hear about bucket lists and, uh, you know, obviously one of them is to travel around the world, etc. You've done that already. So what are some of your uh, bucket list items still to go? Well, I've been living one of them. I, I had the goal of going to all four of the tennis Grand Slam tournaments. So uh, many, many years ago, I went to the Australian Open in Melbourne for the first time. Uh, a few years later, I went to the US Open on that trip in 2008 around the world. This year, I went to the French Open for the first time. So I've done three. Wimbledon is next. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm going to get to Wimbledon, ironically, because I'm in London right now. I should be able to get to it. But the tickets are all sold out, and I'm about to go oh. to Spain. So I may not get to Wimbledon this trip. So that's one of my bucket list things. Um, you know, outside of that, for me, the, I think the bucket list is it's starting to turn into possibly something you've already done, which is, you know, maybe you start having kids and a family at some point as well. You know, I've, I've never done digital nomading other than by myself or with maybe, you know, a girlfriend or a friend. So to, I don't know what it's like to do with kids. So that would be an interesting experience. And I think a good experience for the kids too, correct me if I'm wrong. So that's, that's a bucket list. Uh, item for me is to have kids and see what it's like to travel with with children as well. I could write books and books and books and books and still not uh, share everything I, I, I have learned. Uh, but uh, overall, it's been amazing uh, traveling with my wife and kids because of the quality time we spend with each other. Uh, back in Vancouver, BC, Canada, where I'm from, we're so busy working. My wife, uh, you know, worked in a corporate job in Best Buy Canada doing IT. I, I was uh, busy running events, so I'd be running uh, uh, different, like, smaller events, but also, like, one-day workshops. I'd do these big one, two, and three-day conferences, and I'd be rushing, and our kids would be kind of getting neglected. Uh, they'd be, uh, uh, you know, in the daycares and in, in the preschools, and we'd be so busy focused on our, our, our tunnel vision that we neglected our kids. So uh, definitely, uh, <laughs> it's been amazing here. It's just funny, the lady behind me. Uh, <laughs> real, life, real life happening right now. <laughs> yeah. By the way, <laughs> oh, I've never had that ever happen in an interview where someone's cleaning a, a dish behind me. So uh, if you're just listening to us on iTunes, you got to watch the video for that moment. Uh, but yeah, definitely uh, being a dad uh, and uh, being a husband on the road uh, has its own challenges. I mean, uh, um, our kids, for example, one of the challenges there is that our kids don't have stable, regular friendships. Um, they're always meeting uh, new new friends. Here in Trinidad, our guest house is actually, um, the guest house owner has a son who's six years old, and my daughter's five, son's three, and another son's one. So that's good. They have some uh, friendship, but it only lasts until we're in this guest house. When we move, they got to form new friendships. And as us adults, it's very easy to do that, you know, um, and it's obviously easy to keep in touch with uh, friends through Skype and Facebook chat and uh, Messenger, WhatsApp, etc. But I find that's probably the most difficult thing for the kids to have regular, stable friendships. And we're, we're working through that. Uh, we might actually end up like settling for a little bit in a certain country like Mexico or Dubai. We're really a, f a big fan of Dubai in the Middle East. So settling so they can make their friends and then traveling the area like tra uh, settling in Dubai traveling in the Middle East, settling in Cape Town, traveling Africa, settling in Mexico, traveling around Latin America. So, uh, you know, I wish you well in the whole uh, getting married and baby making journey. It's a <laughs> fun journey. And, uh, you know, uh, you're a great guy. And, uh, you know, any girl that's going to uh, pick you, it's going to be a lucky one. <laughs> Thank you, Ricky. I appreciate it. <laughs> Hi. So, Yaro, you're very real, uh, very honest, very transparent. I love the fact that I love that about you. Uh, there's so many internet gurus out there. They're kind of hiding behind the screen, uh, boasting about how much they made and stuff like that. You're very real and down to earth, as, as people have seen in this interview. So if people wanted to connect with you and, you know, find out about blogging, uh, find out about the different products and services that you offer, what are the different web, uh, websites? I know you own a few different sites besides Entrepreneur Journey. 
Uh, tell us about the sites that uh, you run and also any of the social media uh, that people can connect uh, with uh, you through. The easiest and simplest way to find me is to Google my name, Yarrow, Y-A-R-O. Uh, that will get you to Entrepreneur's Journey. Uh, it'll probably uh, very likely get you to my podcast, uh, which is on my blog. It'll also get you to my free report, The Blog Profits Blueprint. So Yarrow, Y-A-R-O, I'm kind of going for the whole Madonna or Ellen or, you know, Oprah, one one word names, I think is the way to go. And my name is unique enough that people usually can remember that, Yarrow, Y-A-R-O. So that's all you have to do. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, just hashtag Yarrow, Yarrow, you know? Just like <laughs> Oprah, just like Ellen, just like the gurus around the world, Yarrow or Prince, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Awesome. So thanks, Yero, uh, for your time today. And we'll definitely uh, love to have you back on the show, uh, focusing on a different area of your passions. I know you can teach a lot. And this interview could have actually been two, three hours, and I still wouldn't have uh, picked your brain enough. So thanks for your time today. I appreciate it, Ricky. And good luck, everyone, with your digital nomad lifestyles. Yeah, definitely. You know, if you're listening and watching, uh, being a Disneyland nomad isn't easy, as we've both uh, talked about, but it is possible. It is possible to make money while traveling the world. And that's why we do this uh, podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Digital Nomad Mastery. Uh, make sure you leave us a rating and review if you're listening to this on iTunes. Subscribe if you're, listening, if you're watching this on YouTube. And follow us all over the web. We're Digital Nomad Mastery, hashtag, and also digitalnomadmastery.com. We'll see you in the next episode.